Hey everyone, before this week's episode starts, um, I'm here to give a trigger warning. We talk about self-harm, depression, suicide, things that can be triggering to some people. Um, so if you, this may be a trigger for you, please don't listen to this week's episode. But thank you all for tuning in. Hey guys, and welcome back to Breaking Apostolic Taboo. My name is Alicia Kreger. And I'm Bailey Romans. I'm sorry to say my last name. <laughs> I don't know why I said my last name at all. Honestly, <laughs> if we're going to hear it, I don't know. I'm pretty sure they know we're last yeah, name. Yeah, right let's just stop saying that. Anyways, uh, we are back. Uh, yeah. uh, I know for y'all, it's only like a week, or an, it's like two it's like weeks two or something weeks. for us. It's like, it feels like three. I think it's been like three. Yeah, so it's been a lot longer. We actually haven't seen each other in quite some time. Oh, it's been a couple days. It's been a few. It's actually almost been a week. Good grief. Yeah, it's been crazy. Um, Yeah, I think it's funny, though. Um, Actually, I'll get into that. So this week on this episode and uh, the following two weeks from now, we'll drop the second part. Um, But I think this time um, to really start discussing uh, something that we really hit on. Um, or we hinted on in uh, the pornography mm-hmm. sessions, but I think this series, this little mini series, uh, we really want to start focusing on depression. Yeah, mental illness in general, I think, or and just stuff that deals with it. Yeah, for sure. Whatever. We've, um, uh, we've been real busy here lately, so it, that's one reason why we haven't seen each other. And yeah. So we were like, we've got to get these recordings in because we've been so busy here lately. I know. So. We've been sitting here for like the past hour or two hours just talking. Yeah, because we haven't two. got to see each other. <laughs> yeah, so we were like, we need to record, then we get distracted. We need to record, we get distracted. You know, yeah. it's just, it's our life. It's we've, our been, life. we've been busy. And if I sound like, if I end up sounding like a smoker halfway through, I apologize. Spiritual warfare. Anyways. Uh, accurate. <laughs> um, speaking of uh, I think it was so funny, not funny, but like I look back on it. We had a plan to record, or to record a few days ago, mm-hmm. but I sent Bailey a message and I was like, listen, can we just postpone it? Because like, I really did not feel good. And it wasn't like a whole, like, mm-hmm. um, it wasn't like I was sick or I, you know, I had a headache or anything. It was just like, I literally didn't feel good. Something in me just didn't, yeah, wasn't okay. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I think it's like, it's for me, it's always like whatever we start recording on, something. that's, that something is really what starts attacking me. Yeah. And like for me lately, me like my church, we're working on getting my church, a podcast started up where we, we call it Cornerstone Real Talk and been really heavily involved in that. And we're fixing to start touching on sexual brokenness and pornography. And then like the day before we're supposed to record, I get hit hard. Yeah. There's a whole story behind that. If I went into that, I'd be talking for a few minutes. But let's just say I had an encounter with something spiritual in my room in the middle of the night. And I haven't had that happen in a long time. And I lost my voice and was super sick the same day we were supposed to be recording. My pastor got sick. And it's just a spiritual attack. Yeah, I think it's just, it always is. Whatever we talk about, I feel like it really comes to light. And I think it's because, you know, we. We put notice on it, you know. We, we're trying to we're trying talk to about it. You know, talk about it, and I think whenever we do that, that's what that's when it really was like. Okay, well, I I like to just like hide and you know yeah. didn't cause torment. I don't yeah. like you to bring it about so people can expel me, yeah. you know, or whatever, anything like that. But yeah, one reason why we want to talk about depression is we've had a lot of friends dealing with it lately. We've 
dealt, like, I haven't personally dealt with a severe depressed episode lately, but I just, you know, I haven't, I've been seeing my friends deal with it a lot. Yeah, and I think um, to really start this off before we really start diving into it, um, I just want to say if you are struggling with depression, uh, you're not alone. Yeah. Don't ever feel like that. Don't start isolating yourself. Yeah. Uh, and I will end with this as well. Um, but I just want to say there are a few phone numbers um, that you can call. Uh, dbsalliance.org is a phenomenal website. It's depression and bipolar syndrome. Um, that's what DP, DP, DBS stands for. I can't speak. Um, but they have some really good um, content on there and they have some really good resources. Um, the uh, 1 800 number that you can call is 1 800 662 help, which is or 4357. Um, or 1-800-273-8255 is the suicide prevention hotline. So before we really start diving into this, I just want you to know there are resources that you can take and that you can use. Um, and then also our inboxes are always open. Um, cause here in a second, you'll realize we both suffered we, heavily. <laughs> yes. And I think, I think both of our problems is we were to, uh, quote unquote, prideful to ask for help yeah you know and don't ever think that like you're alone in this because yeah. you are most assuredly and not. it's okay to get help yeah so i think before we really like i just wanted to lead off with that and then yeah. we'll definitely in that and put the um we'll put the link and we'll put the two phone numbers in the episode descriptions as well mm-hmm. so y'all can have that and then we'll also put them on our um Instagram page yeah. for y'all. So, so don't be afraid to reach out to a friend. Yes, please don't. I mean, or um, we're definitely going to talk more about that. Um, I think before we really start diving into this, I know that we really want to share our own personal stories. Yeah. So you want me to go first? Or? Uh, it doesn't matter. Whichever one. I'll go ahead and go yeah. first, I guess, since you introduced everything. Um, so I would say depression and mental illness run in my family mm-hmm. um, very heavily my both of my grandfathers were alcoholics and um, thus my I would say both of my grandpas I know for sure one of them suffered with PTSD um, because he was in the war he had been deployed he got gang gang or orange something or another it was really bad I don't remember exactly what it was because I was not close with him. Um, But my other grandpa was just a severe alcoholic. And I know for sure he suffered with depression. All of my aunts on my mom's side have some form of bipolar, depression, schizophrenia. One of them's actually diagnosed with schizophrenia. Um, So, and bipolar and depression. And it just runs in my family. And so... My mom and dad really didn't, were trying their hardest and their darkest to try to keep me out of that cycle. And it kind of proves that if you're a parent and you listen to this, you're not going to be able to keep your kids from everything. Um, It's just a part of life and it's a part of living in the world we live in. I, I, I really, well, I started watching porn at seven. Y'all know that. And I was sexually abused at 12. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think that is where it opened me up for issues because 
At the time, I thought it was consensual. I've learned recently that it was not consensual whether or not I thought it was or not. Um, because I was 12 and he right. was an adult. So, it, it, it was grooming and sexual abuse. Right. It doesn't matter. Um, yeah. I, not only was I abused by him, but I was taken advantage of by some friends of mine. And... He, the, the older man was verbally abusive to me, so I felt worthless. I felt horrible. I had internal monologue that fed all of this. I had the devil feeding this to me, and I, I looked up like, why do I feel sad? And like, because we don't, as a church, we don't talk about it. As a church, we don't talk about that kind of stuff very often. And I found through Instagram, of all places, the self-harm community that was on Instagram. And I'm pretty sure it's still on Instagram. I don't know. haven't looked into it lately. But when Instagram first came up, there was a humongous community. I don't know if you ever looked into that. But there was a humongous community of people that encouraged it. Mm. That would, they shared, they would keep count of how many times they cut themselves that day. If they tried to commit suicide, if they were thinking about committing suicide, some of them would encourage people, like, if you feel like this is the only way out, you you know, this is okay. And I know, crazy. Good um, Lord, I had no idea that that was. Yeah, it, it, it was, I was very heavily involved. I still have people that I am friends with on Instagram that, I, that I've met through that. And um, a lot of them are doing a lot better than what they were, which I'm so thankful for. And I still keep up with some of them because I made a lot of friends from that. Mm-hmm. But, um we would message each other and be like, hey, did you did you self-harm today? Did you cut yourself? If you did, how many times did you do it? Are you okay? Did you have to go to the hospital? Like, just weird. I mean, I, I got into that community. I tried to commit suicide several times, um, many, many times. And every single time it never worked, which is a shock because I had a friend that took less than what I had taken in medication-wise, and she was in the hospital for like, three weeks and I woke Mm -hmm. up the next morning perfectly fine it was the Lord for sure but I I still I currently take antidepressants Um, my last severe depressed episode was uh, probably a year ago I had to guess it's been a hot minute it's been it's been about a year ago because you remember when I was going through it Mm -hmm. Um, I haven't really struggled with it I had a I had a come to Jesus moment uh, my senior year on tour one time, I had a guy come read my mail because I wrote my song, Making Me Beautiful. It's on the Texas Bible College album. It's awesome. I had to testify, and little did people know, like, I talked like I had come out of that, but I was still struggling with wanting to kill myself. And this man that doesn't know me, still doesn't know me, he, like, came up and read my mail and was like, you're going to quit suffering with this. I was like, what? Like, cry. I remember you, like, calling me about that. Yeah, I cried. It was just a mess. And, um, I I mean, I I haven't, I'm trying to wing myself off of antidepressants because I really don't think the Lord wants you to have to suffer, you know. And I feel like I've come to a place where I don't need it. But also, depression isn't just, you know, something in your head. This is actually a chemical imbalance. So I, I made a pact with everyone <laughs> that if I start going AWOL again and I start doing really, really bad and having 
anxiety attacks, panic attacks, getting mm-hmm. depressed, I, I will immediately get back on my medicine. But um, that's just what my personal struggles with it. Yeah, I mean, um, kind of similar. Um, uh, we've, I mean, we've shared uh, our testimony plenty of times during this episode, but just to really reiterate it, because you know, um, yeah, I don't think we went into too much detail on this. Yeah, um, on this half. So I was exposed to sexual abuse uh, when I was six to seven years old, um, and it just from multiple people. And, um, I just realized I'm so uncomfortable talking about it sometimes. Uh, but you know, it's, it's, you know, it, it doesn't, you learn to grow with it. Yeah. It does. It doesn't get easy. Yeah. It never does. So, um, anyways, from about six to seven, I was exposed to sexual abuse for the first time and it didn't stop until I was about 12 years old. Um, nothing really came out of it. They, they, uh. They say that they there wasn't enough, there wasn't sufficient evidence to prove it, um, and there really wasn't uh, anything to go on, and blah blah blah. And I guess as a twelve year old, like you really learn, like, well, maybe no one believes you. You know, maybe it's your fault. You know, yeah, you really start sure. to, especially when something like that happens, you really start to dive towards the it's all your fault type of thing. And then um, on top of that. Uh, your happiness really gets taken away from you whenever, you know, that man gets chosen over you with certain people. Um, and I, I think, you know, it's part of my life. Uh, so I don't feel uncomfortable sharing this, but, uh, I, I won't because it is, you know, public, um, and it, while it is my life, it's a part of, sorry, the dog is in here. It's a part of somebody else's life as well. And it's not really my place to share that. But um, that man was chosen uh, over me from somebody uh, very important in my life. And so as a 12-year-old, you know, you then on top of the whole not sufficient evidence, you really start to come into the whole, well, am I good enough, you know, type of thing. And then also on top of that, I did not grow up in the very best of homes. I had a dad who truly tried his best. I think um, I do love my my dad. You know, I love him with everything that I am. Um, he's a wonderful, wonderful man. You know, but but like him and like all of us, we all struggle with stuff and. And if you try to portray that perfectionist, uh, you're really just lying to yourself and lying to everyone else. You know, God doesn't build his kingdom with whole men. He builds it with broken men. Yeah. So anyways, but I had a, I had a wonderful dad who did try his best, but I think behind his back, some other things started happening. Um, I remember very vividly, uh, I would come home and either from work or uh, from school or whatever. And I had this little purple box and I had a ton of index cards. I don't use index cards anymore now because of this. But like before I never really used it. Now, you know, they would always make you purchase it at the beginning of the school year, you know, blah, 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 school (coughs) supplies, index cards. I never used them, so I just had them out. And I remember I had this little purple box and every single morning, or not morning, but every single night before I went to bed, um, I really had 
no self-worth. I had no self-love. Um, I, w- I felt very alone. I felt very, very anxious about a lot of things. I was not a happy person. Like, I felt very depressed. I was in so much sorrow and so much grief, you know, because I, there was a lot of trauma in my life that I didn't get to work through. And I remember just before going to bed, and that little purple box was my index cards and my knife and my razor and a little towel um, in there. Uh, now that I look back on it, it's kind of gross. I, I have one too. <laughs> I uh, What's hilarious is my uh, box that I kept my razors in was had a scripture on it. I don't remember what scripture it was, but it was a like mint container. And I like used the little paper inside to cover them up, and uh, it had yeah. a scripture about Jesus on the top of it. And okay. I, I, you know, I don't know if you did this, but like I would take old razors like out of the trash can and like would stay up all night and like pry the little individual blades out of. Them. No, um, <laughs> I stole one. Yeah, stole a razor from my dad's tool shed. I just remember like having bloody fingers all the time because I would stay up and would pry those. No, I was very, very methodical with it, um, with how I did it and how I applied it onto myself. Um, so anyways, but I would, I would have my little razor, um, and I would, I would place them out like individually. I have my note cards and my pen and my, my razor. And then I had my, um, should also put a trigger warning at the I beginning. Will. Oh, yeah, I will. I was planning. Um, so I had my, uh, note cards, my razor and my towel. And I would do it in that step. Mm-hmm. I would uh, write something mm-hmm. very self-deprecating mm-hmm. on that note card. Like, uh, you're worthless. You're never going to amount to anything. Um, and the reason I wrote down these on these cards is because I had someone, uh, a figure in my life who I, looked, who I thought I was looking up to say these words to me. And so I started to believe them. Yeah. Um, so I'd work, you know, right. You're, you're vindictive, uh, you're manipulative, uh, you're really not going to amount to anything. You are fat, you're lazy. Um, you're never going to do anything with your life. You don't know how to do anything now. So what makes you think you're going to know how to do things? Then? Um, I mean, I was, I was very self-deprecating. I looked horribly on myself and, you know, I still, I still struggle with some of that, but it's gotten a whole lot better and we'll dive into that. But I would do that. I'd write it on the note card and then I would, uh, you know, self harm and I would, you know, clean up. Um, so I had a, I had a very, very methodical thing. And sometimes it wasn't just one note card. Sometimes it went up to five, 10 note cards a night. You know, um, I was, I was a very, very depressed child. Yeah. Like a super depression. Like you could see it in my eyes. Like, you, um, I remember taking a happy picture or, you know, quote unquote happy. And my cousin looks at it and she was like, this is the happiest I've ever seen you, but something doesn't seem quite right with it. I was like, what? She's like your eyes. And I was like, yeah, well inside I'm like, yeah, well I'm dead inside. So, you know, and, and, um, I grew up an atheist, you know? Mm -hmm. So all of these things that I'm going through, and then I'm feeling that, you know, it's happened to me in my past and all of these things, you know, it's like, it's just built up trauma because I don't like to talk about it. Mm-hmm. I'm very, 
I like to be vulnerable and be transparent with, well, I don't like to be vulnerable. Ugh. I like to be transparent with people. Mm-hmm. But vulnerability is not one of my strong suits because I've never had to deal with it. You know, I've never <clears> had yeah. to be vulnerable. So, um, yeah, I was, I was so depressed and I was just, I was not okay as a child, you know, from anywhere from six to seven, you know, having that being such a scared, timid little get kid, you know, and then growing up being 12, uh, you know, coming out about the sexual abuse and then things piling on on top of that when you thought it was all going to get better, yeah. you know, and then I didn't find God until I was 18 years old. So there was like six years of my life where I was literally so empty. Mm-hmm. Um, I was so emotionless except for one thing. Mm-hmm. And that was depression. Yeah. Like that was for those six years, depression defined me. Yeah. It was here. It was me. I didn't know my life without it. Mm-hmm. And then whenever I was 18, um, I got in church and that's when, um, I started to feel a little bit better, but I was still depressed. Yeah. But there was, there was more than just depression. I guess yeah. when I was 18, um, but I really, uh, didn't, I mean, I still struggle with it every single day, yeah. you know, because I, I, for me, it's not a chemical imbalance mm-hmm. for me. And uh, well, let me rephrase that part of it's not a chemical imbalance. Yeah. You know, there is some part of it where I did have a lot of trauma and that trauma adds up, you know, and I have yeah, become it's, depressed. It's, yeah. Uh, but a part of that is, is it? Your brain's wired for it. Yeah, my brain's wired that way. You know, and that's like, you know, normal. Is it, it right? Like it that. happens. But a part of uh, the other part is the spirit, I think. But yeah. I really didn't start getting better until about a year or two ago. Yeah. Like that is when I really like turned around. Yeah. And I'm just 23 now. Yeah, I feel that. So, I mean, I, we've, we've both had some really, really big battles with depression. Mm-hmm. Um, we've both, oh, we've, we've dealt with it a lot. Yeah. I remember having a journal too. You know, that's funny that you said about the note cards. I just remembered I had a journal. Yeah, I had it. Uh, that I, I wrote everything down in. I wrote every detail. Yeah, it was. Everything. <laughs> Yeah, I never like looking back on it. I'm like, oh, it's not too bad. And then I'm like, wait, actually, like that was horrible. I think I know. I remember. I think I remember where I was going earlier. Um, for me, another part of like my story in dealing with depression is I was so good at hiding it. Mm. I because I was yeah. I I was very extremely active in church. I praised, sang, I helped teach Sunday school. I would do media. I ran sound. Uh, I was extremely heavily involved in church and I didn't I one reason why I never told people was because I didn't want to get sat down and because doing things in church was the only thing keeping me in church and yeah um, I was so afraid that if I lose that I would have no purpose anymore mm. And I would be completely lost. And church was my only saving grace at this point. Because I could go to church and actually feel something. Right. I I could pray and feel the Lord and feel his presence and feel his love and feel his peace. And I would always get confused. Because sometimes when I'd go home from church, I'd stay up all night cutting myself. 
And I would sometimes ask God, like, why in the world can I feel your presence at church, but when I come home, it's gone? Mm. And yeah. I, I today I was or yesterday I was listening to somebody talk, and he was talking about God's unconditional love for us, and I was like. And he also said, God, there's a difference between unconditional love and unconditional approval. And he said, God has unconditional love. He does not have unconditional approval. So mm. God can love you no matter what you're doing, where you're going. It right. doesn't matter if you know, you're struggling with homosexuality, porn, depression, uh, adultery. I mean, it could be anything. God's going to love you despite anything you're doing, he, but he's not going to approve of everything. He doesn't have unconditional approval. And... I think that has to do with why God loved me, but he didn't approve of what What I would do when I would go home. Yeah. And so, but but I can't remember sometimes I would, after leaving church and I would come home, I could feel God be like, you don't have to do this. You don't have to do this. You don't have to do this. Cause I had that relationship as a kid. Right. But I would ignore it. Yeah. I think, um, I think we all ignore that feeling of you don't have to. Yeah. You know, we we all ignore it um, yeah. because we just think that, no, I do. There's yeah. there's no way to get out of this. Yeah. You know. That's but, where we kind of conditioned ourselves. Yeah, that's where we, and I think everyone struggles with that, um, mm-hmm. with all of that. And if you, if you, I mean, there's a lot more people than you think. Yeah. Um, that struggle with this. And my, there's yeah, some, my own pastor. Yeah, my pastor. I remember speaking yeah. with your pastor. Or he's he preached my about it then. too. Yeah. You know, like there there are times in his life where he thought about like while well, he's riding his motorcycle, just like running off a bridge. Yeah, he told me that. <laughs> I, I think about that too. Yeah, all the time. You know, just not the motorcycle part because I don't have a motorcycle. But like, yeah. I'm just like, well, what if I swerve? Yeah, you know, I go into the same. lake. What if I run into a tree? You know, stuff like that. So. And something I want to point out too, because I, we said this about uh, porn and like sexual addiction and sexual brokenness, uh, marriage isn't going to fix it. Definitely. Um, for all you married people out there that listen, or single people that are you know that want a relationship, um, I definitely think you need to work on this before you get married, <laughs> because you're going to start taking this into your marriage, yeah. and your spouse may not know what to do. He, uh, for women, your spouse may, he may not know, I can only say from my point of view, he may not know how to deal with it. Yeah. And I think that's a lot. I mean, a lot of things, if, if you, if you marry somebody who is blessed to never struggle with depression, yeah. um, I mean, if I, if me and you hadn't have dealt with what we've dealt with yeah, and had to, to really like push through and get through with God's help. Yeah. We would be taking all of what we, we internalized and mm-hmm. bringing and like externalize, externalizing it and putting yeah. it on our husbands. Some uh, A good piece of advice that I'll just throw in right here. Um, make sure before you get married that they know this. Yeah, definitely. Um, because for me, like I had a pivotal moment and during my engagement. Like my husband knew before we got engaged that I had issues. He obviously knew I had issues. Um, but there was a point where we were engaged. I wasn't taking medication yet. I had not gone to therapy yet. I was still very much struggling. I had a complete mental breakdown one day and it was just me and him in the house because mom and dad had left to go pick up dinner and me and him had been wedding planning that day. Mm -hmm. And, um, I had a full mental breakdown and I ran in the garage and started banging my head against the wall and screaming 
that I hated myself, that I wanted to die. And he was just like shook. He had not seen that before. Right. And he had to pull me out of that garage and sat me down in a chair and was just sitting there with me trying to get me to breathe. He didn't know what to do though. He was he had to let me panic and freak out and do whatever I was doing. But he could not let me hurt myself. He knew that. And, and some husbands just don't know what to do. Yeah. Um, counseling and therapy <clears throat> really help. Really help. Um, so. We're going to interrupt today's episode to let you know about something you can do to help us out here on Breaking Apostolic Taboo. We have set up through Anchor a listener support. You can donate however much you want to. It can be monthly. It can be a one-time donation. All of these donations will help towards either getting us some better equipment or whatever extra money we have and whatever money we gain that doesn't get used on on the podcast directly we will give to amers or a charity anything um we see fit um if you would like to become a listener supporter you can see in our show notes there should be a link or you can go to anchor um our on anchor to our breaking apostolic taboo um page and you can become a listener supporter there so if you would that would be great and help us out and help us maybe get some recording equipment and help us um or we can give to amers or to the children's mansion whichever we see fit to do that month so thank you so much and that's all i have for this I've come today to tell you about an amazing opportunity you have coming up. June 17th through the 19th in Wentzville, Missouri, RKR Global Training is coming to the U.S. Um, RKR Training is usually done in Latvia, and they're bringing it to the U.S. this year. And um, the the mission of the RKR Global Training Center is to equip people through on-site and online training to fulfill the call of God on their lives. Um, RKR Global Training Center focuses on equipping people with the knowledge and practical skills to be effective in evangelism and church planning. The curriculum covers topics like multicultural ministry, disciple making, spiritual warfare, gifts of the spirit, evangelism, and leadership. And we are super excited. Me and Taylor will be attending the RKR Global Training. This is a great opportunity that you may have not gotten to experience because it is, you know, usually it would be a mafia. Um, so it just a couple of things. Um, come expecting practical ministry training, spiritual impartation and empowerment, miracle signs and wonders, and opportunities to minister in the streets. Um, we are super excited about this, and it is $30 a person. And we just want to let you know, you can go to RKR Global Training Center and get registered today. Anyways, yeah, um, therapy really helps with fixing a lot of those issues. And um, girls, you're not alone if you're struggling. And if you're engaged or you're in a very serious relationship or you're married and you're struggling and you 
um, I really would suggest going to therapy and talking your husband into doing this with you and giving or sitting down and talking with him and saying, hey, this is what you can do to help me. Because that's what I had to do at first. Right. I was like, hey, this is what you can do in a moment when I'm struggling to help me. I remember, I remember th- th- telling that to my friends, mm-hmm. you know, just my friends, like I was going through a really tough time and I was like, I need pressure around me. Mm-hmm. Again, I don't, now I don't really like hugs. Yeah. I'm not a touchy feely person. I'm not either. A lot of strangers or whatever. Sometimes I just get the urge where I just want to hold somebody's hand for like a second or two. Yeah. And then I'm done. I, I, you know? I, I, uh, like, I, I don't like unexpected touches. Yeah. Um, like there was one time I was, um, becoming a music director at church and this is because of what i've had to go through and like my sexual abuse and like trauma i guess you can call it right. trauma. um and like this pastor i was sitting there talking to somebody and he still didn't know me very well we were getting to know each other and um he like came up and pat me on the back and i was like <gasps> like i jumped and got super scared i was like he's like i am so sorry i was like no it's okay and sometimes he would like rub my shoulder like just and say, I hope, you know, have a good night, whatever. If I was leaving or driving, he's like, be safe. You know, he'd pat me on the back and like, it would just make me uncomfortable. But I knew this person would never probably, do something he like is that. Not, he is not that way at all. I love his family. I love them. Well, he was coming from like a fatherly uh, it, yeah. worry. And you know? it's just me and my trauma. Right. And so, yeah, I get, I get Anyways. <laughs> I, I feel that. But, um, I just like, and I know that one of the things is like we just we feel so alone mm-hmm. whenever we're depressed. Yeah, but we're not alone. Uh, definitely not. Seven point one percent of the U.S. population that are eighteen and over suffer with major depressive disorder, and just like those are like one year statistics, you know. Um, and I mean, if you do have depression. Um, I mean, it's it's a lot because you're at greater risk. You're 64% greater risk of getting a coronary artery disease. 64% yeah. greater risk. You know, um, on top of that, you know, uh, cancer, 25%. Mm-hmm. Uh, heart attacks, one in three uh, heart attack survivors uh, suffer with depression. Yeah. And then that leads to possibly more heart attacks, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, you're more likely to get coronary heart disease, HIV. Um, patients struggle with depression mm-hmm. on that one. You know, Parkinson disease, uh, eating disorders, anywhere from 33 to 50% of eating disorders, um, of people who have eating disorders struggle with depression. Yeah. You know, and I mean, yeah. substance abuse, you know, these are like depression <coughs> sometimes yeah. leads to these things. And then sometimes depression is the, is like a side effect of these things, you know? So you're, you're definitely not alone. And then, um, men, you are definitely not alone. Uh, men can struggle with depression. Women, it has been proven that women are twice as likely to get depression more than men. That's probably because of our hormones. Definitely. We have a lot of hormones raging. (laughs) And then that also takes into account postpartum depression. Yeah. You know, I am so scared. Of getting postpartum depression. Uh, yeah, me too. I am terrified. Because one of the things I want to be above all else is a mother. Yeah, and a good mother. And a good mother. And to, 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 to you know, have that fear of being postpartum, not being able yeah. to connect with your child. You Like, that is one of my fears. But I know that if it happens to me, then I can't overcome it. Yeah. You know? 
And if you are struggling with postpartum depression or any type of depression, like you can overcome this. Mm -hmm. You know, you're definitely um, not alone, um, but definitely don't ever let it get to the point that you're ready to just end anything. For every two homicides, there's three suicides. Yeah. You know, um, that's a big reason why I want to go to Japan and like I have such a burden for Japan. They have a forest called Suicide Forest <laughs> where I do remember that. people go to kill themselves. Oh, my, do you know Logan Paul? He makes yeah, fun of that. Yeah, God, he, he's a disgusting. He went, he went to this to the Suicide Forest and actually saw someone hanging in a tree and decided he was going to record it and post it on and the internet. Anyways, anyways that don't was do that. so stupid and it made me so mad. Anyways. Don't go to But I also will say, though, another big cause in, in people like women having depression is um, uh, hormones and thyroids. Uh, having thyroid issues. Yes. Um, causes depression and people I that sounds absolutely crazy but when I went to the doctor I have thyroid issues and she said you take antidepressants and I was like yeah I do and she goes you know um, your thyroid can cause those issues really yeah and she's like you may have had to deal with that because of your thyroid and she's like right. that may get resolved with your thyroid <laughs> fixing your thyroid yeah um, PCOS polycystic ovarian you know yeah that is a big it can cause depression and have lots of issues like there's tons of illnesses for women but you know another thing to just tell you that hey you're not alone um in the bible yeah yeah (laughs) there's so many people that struggled with depression and i think the most well-known person is king david yeah everyone paints this and then they like he he doesn't need to be portrayed as this but we also need to show another side everyone paints this King David is a strong, strong giant killer. Giant killer. He was a man after God's own heart. You know, yes, but like, he was all of those things. He was all of those things. But he suffered so bad with not only depression, but um, sexual uh, he sexual issues. He was full of lust. He committed adultery, and he even though this was a man after God, you know, God's own heart, he was so powerful. And God was like, you're going to be the first king of Israel. But then the Israelites got impatient. was like, we want a king now. And then they got Saul, who Saul was... Impatience gets you nowhere. Saul was practically schizophrenic. Um, if you really? study that out. Yeah. It, it, it's... I, um, in our... Um, in the book series we did on mental illness, mm-hmm. it talked a lot about Saul being technically almost schizophrenic. He was crazy. And he also suffered with depression. I mean, that's why David would come to play music for him, because it would soothe his issues. Yeah, music helps a lot. Music helps a lot. Um, But, you know, what really made me, the first time I realized, oh my gosh, David really did struggle with Psalm 6, and 6 says, this is David talking, I am weary with my groaning, all the night make I, it, it, all the night make I my bed to swim. I water my couch with my tears. Mine eye is consumed because of grief. It waxeth old because of all mine enemies. But then he goes, Depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity, for the Lord hath heard the voice of my weeping. The Lord hath heard my supplication, and the Lord will receive my prayer. So yes, he was crying all night long in his bed. Um, 
but he he could still he could still say the lord has heard from me depart enemies like leave me alone god's gonna hear me and answer my prayer he's gonna hear my tears and my cries also uh god went through a depressed episode when he was doing his 40 day fast jews yeah yeah same person but they're they're the same person uh but when he was going through all that he got depressed I mean, you know, the, the famous uh, scripture in the Bible, Jesus wept. Um, <laughs> why was he weeping? Yeah. Um, oh, but also that, I mean, before we even were created <laughs> uh, in Genesis 3, I think it was, uh, whenever he, he creates Adam's helpmate, um, Eve, and he says, man shall not be alone. Yeah. Well, why? Yeah. Why can't man, man be alone? Yeah. Is it because he knows how it feels to be lonely? Yeah. Can you imagine that? God being lonely? Yeah. Wow. I can't. Well, I mean, why did he make us? Exactly. You know? Like, he wanted people to be close he, with. He wanted people to be close with because he, he's... I, he I knows honestly, loneliness. I feel like he lo- knows loneliness. And I think that's why he... I mean, that's just one of the reasons why he cares so deeply for mm-hmm. us. You know, because he knows how it feels. And then there's Job. I mean... Homeboy had his hedge of protection taken away from him. He lost everything except for his wife. Uh, His kids, gone. House, gone. Crops, gone. Gone. Animals. He's he's in complete uh, and utter pain and agony. Yeah, I mean, he gets sores and boils His all friends over him. are like, why don't you just curse God and die, homie? And not only that, but his wife was like, dude, come on. You're like laying in bed. You're depressed. Yeah. All of our things are gone. Just curse God. Yeah. And Job was like, I may be depressed. I may be fighting all of this. I may have this all on me, but I will never turn my back on God. So, uh, we're not alone in this fight. Yeah, definitely don't ever think that you are alone in it. It's way more prevalent than we would like it to be, but it's here. And it's all throughout the church. You know, now it's now it's our job to like really overcome it. Yeah. And I, th- I think that may be a good way to end this week. Yeah, definitely. Um, next week we're gonna be talk or the week after next week. We're gonna be talking about overcoming this. Yeah. Um I will say uh, one important thing, I'll just put this here. Find your triggers. Yes. <laughs> um, definitely maybe for the next week really I will put a um, a PDF file in the show notes of um, nine ways to identify your triggers yes and work through them um, there's two different kinds of triggers if you're dealing with pornography um, the second kind is more prevalent which is the pleasure trigger but there's also a pain trigger and um, this format was specifically made to deal with pornography but it helped me kind of when I was going through it realized by depressed depression mm-hmm. triggers and so i will leave that there for you to work through um yeah. maybe that be your homework for the next week start thinking about your triggers next two weeks here yeah. we are we're finally gonna start giving you homework yeah here, here's your whole <laughs> Anything life. To Woo! I, do, I do it in uh, the redeemed sexuality series but here here's your homework for this week there you go there <laughs> find you go. your triggers start figuring it out and then um, next week we'll, we'll talk or the week after next week we'll talk about um overcoming it yes definitely and to end it um 
don't forget, I said I was going to start with it, and I will definitely end with this because I think they're 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 vital resources. Um, the depression hotline is uh, 1-800-662-4357. The suicide prevention hotline is 1-800-273-8255. A uh, really good website is dbsalliance.org, and our inbox is on Instagram, um, okay. our personal, and uh, the, the Breaking Apostolic Taboo okay. Instagram uh, messages are open as well. Yep. So, thank you for joining us this week on Breaking Apostolic Taboo. I am Bailey Romans. And I am Alicia Craig, And let's start talking. talking.